Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Maria Bamford is one of the most exciting stand-up comedians working today. You may have seen her starring in her own Netflix series, Lady Dynamite, based on her own life, or Target's holiday season TV commercials based on your life. Bamford has been on the front lines of revolutionizing stand-up comedy, from the Comedians of Comedy tour with Patton Oswalt, to performing for her parents in the special, 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 and making web series such as The Maria Bamford Show for Super Deluxe. Maria's been open about her mental health as well as her financial health, and we talked about as much as we could between her two shows at the Bell House in Brooklyn. So let's get to it! Maria Bamford. Yes, certainly. Thank you so much for talking to me between shows at the Bell House. This is fun. It's something to, to do. And and also to be, I mean, not that I want all my human connection to be recorded, mm-hmm. but this is fun. <laughs> uh, you know, you talk in your in your hour about, about money negotiations. Yes. So let me ask you, yes. um, if I may. Yes, How's the deal that you have with the Bell House? Okay, uh, it's thirty grand for four shows uh, against eighty-five percent of the door. So whichever is greater. Mm -hmm. So now the net of that, because I pay out seventeen point five percent to managers and agents, Mm -hmm. and then I spent probably like twenty-five hundred on travel. So the net is lower lower than that for me. Then I'm going to be paying uh, Joelle uh, forty eight hundred, uh, twelve hundred a show. So that's great money for a for a middle. Well, she's a she's an opener. She's a powerhouse. Right. Now how does now how does that deal compare to what you would have gotten ten or fifteen years ago? Uh, I think it's a lot more, a lot more than it was. I I want to say. Um, and I think the TV show right, <laughs> made a big difference. I think the last time I, maybe I think the first time I did the Bell House, maybe it was 10 or 10, 10 for four shows. But having two seasons of Lady Dynamite on Netflix. Oh, shit. Then the money. And you did, that, that's the. And specials. And specials. And specials. And I guess that's how uh, the ups and downs of the arts, you never know. I mean, you, you, you never know. Like sometimes it's, it's a huge thing. Um, and then, uh, and then, so I'm grateful. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm we were grateful. talking off mic though about how, for people like Joyelle or the thousands of comedians who are playing smaller clubs mm-hmm. or as uh, feature acts middles, yeah. that the money hasn't really changed that much. No, hilarious that, and yet horrifying. How is that possible? Uh. Well, Canadian comics, I guess, are trying to unionize, mm-hmm. which is, a, and I know that they tried to do that in the U.S. in the 70s, but um, I think it's just a, a lack of critical mass, but I, I think it would have to be just like the Screen Actors Guild, where people who were the most powerful in comedy supported, you know, said, oh, there's a union and we're going to have union comics right. and that we would support the union or we won't play unless uh, this is a union venue or a, people are playing union wage. 
I can't imagine a union could. Yeah, it just it seems like it would be very difficult. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I'm talking do, about. Do you also. talk about these deals with other comedians? Well, I'll tell anybody. I'll tell anybody if you ask me. But, uh, but is that something that you regularly talk about with other comedians when uh, you're uh, or when you're making deals? Well, uh, go like how much did you get? Out uh, of yes. Place? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell anybody. I don't always. You know. I assume, I don't assume that other people want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I just figure, well, I'll tell what I'm doing and, and that's all it is good for me. And if somebody's like, uh, that's too much or that's, you know, not enough. Like, it almost doesn't matter. It's just information, put it out there and information is, can be helpful. Right. I feel like, well, talking about unions, I feel like that's, one of the reasons why the money might not have changed is because comedians don't talk with each other that much about this well, sort of thing. They just look out for themselves and don't think about what everybody else is doing. I don't, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I know as a starting comedian, I was just so grateful to get any jobs. I, and I think that, that kind of imposter syndrome when you first start out and go, ah, I can't even believe they hired me, you know, uh, that that can, that you're so lucky to get the jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is, it can be like Los Angeles and possibly New York, but probably Los Angeles for sure is a flooded market. So there isn't enough, there's too many comedians and not enough audience, you know, so... I kind of understand sometimes when um, you, you you know can't get paid out there just because mm-hmm. there's like, well, there's 17 shows in one hour, you know, so so and in L.A., most of the people work in the industry, so they might not come and see a show. Um, I don't know. I think it would be great if there was a unionization and that people need to be paid a living wage no matter what industry they work in. And uh, I think the one thing I feel I could do is I, I can pay the people I hire right. a living wage. And that that's certainly that one thing I can do. Jackie Cation. Yeah. Oftentimes with you. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, so a lot of people have to work other jobs. One of the, one of the questions I love asking comedians on my podcast is what... Not what the most interesting other jobs you've had, but what was the last day job you had? The last day job I had, and it was such a slow burn to changing job. Like, I, I still tempt, I still did stuff, like, a few days at a time getting money. So, um, I tempt for about 10 years. And then, so I don't know if I had a last like a last job like right. I, I just remember but there's the jumping off point where you decide oh I can now make money from comedy and I don't need to work something else I don't know if I ever really had that like feeling like I'll never go back <laughs> you know and I still don't have it I just mm-hmm. told it was talking to you I, I signed up with Apple One my temp agency in, mm-hmm. in Glendale, California 818-247-2991 Broadway Boulevard uh, and just to see what it was like to do it just could go okay I, I know I'd, you know create a resume for myself just kind of like out of and that I don't know what that seems like but who, who cares what it seems like to me that feels like I I 
I have choices. Mm-hmm. I'm not a victim of show business. Not like, oh, this is the only thing I can do. I can do a, a billion things. I can live anywhere I want. You know, like the things I'm doing is a choice. I, 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 yeah. So, uh, so I, I like to think uh, about. Or I, I like the day jobs, um, and, and they're not even day jobs. Like I, I enjoyed some of the temp jobs I was with. I worked um, in creative sort of work environments, and it was fun. And there's there's free cake. Sometimes it's somebody's birthday. There's maybe they're leaving after thirty years. Do you, there's do you, cake. Do you find that these side jobs also allow you to play with the voices? Because they don't know you? Oh, I don't know. I only do like six voices, mm-hmm. really. I, I don't think I've done a new one <laughs> in about 10, 10 years. I have become, uh, yeah, no, I, a pretty... Oh, I have These f- new role-playing situations you have sounds... Well, no, those are, no, very, those are, old those are all old voices. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> if you oh, my nit- Lord. Nit- if you want a nitpick, my goodness. No, all, I'm just a repeating machine of uh, old ideas. Uh, rehashed. Why don't we grind the meat again, see what comes up. Now, talking about playing here at the Bell House, 15 years ago... You wouldn't have booked a gig here. No. I feel like when you were on that Comedians of Comedy tour, that was one of the first things that opened people's eyes to the idea of, oh, you can book comedy in other places. Yeah, and that was that was uh, bankrolled by Patton Oswald, mm-hmm. who was a very successful touring comedian at that point anyways. And then Netflix, the beginning um, Netflix service, um, they bankrolled it um that was one of their first productions they did um and i know i know they bankrolled zach's live at the purple onion special oh yeah yeah they did comedians comedy too yeah and so um it was uh yeah i mean i I just don't think that at least i mean not not to sound flip (laughs) that yes i have a ton of Stability or whatever, mm-hmm. like have a lot of great things, you know, have a house, have a thing. And and at the same time, you just don't know what's going to, anything can happen any day, any second, you know, like nobody has any certainty. The, the idea that you have any certainty of, of success or, or I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but or, or. I, I just, it certainly one, seems more real in America 2018. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, we're Brazil. We're just yeah. like, I mean, everything could go up in flames. So, mm-hmm. or it is. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are we on fire right now? But I want to go back to, to what it was like in 2005 or so when you were touring with Patton and, and Brian Posehn and Zach and going to these rock clubs that weren't people didn't typically go, go to see comedy there. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you know that was the start of something? No, it was just a short job, and mm-hmm. I was grateful for it. And I didn't really do super well on the... I mean, I did, I did okay, but Pat mm-hmm. would always bring me up very kindly, like, she's a really good friend of mine. <laughs> um, she's a little different. Like, mm-hmm. he was very... Uh, like if you guys fuck with her, like like I just kind of was very gentle with me because I don't. I'm kind of a theatrical act, and I'm not 
certainly not right. uh, what people always want to see, <laughs> and uh, and so th- that's it. that's okay. But yeah, no. So, so I just was grateful for the jo- for the job, I, and and it certainly has made. A he- I think it did make my career. I mean, I think it's one of those huge things that made made uh, me be able to uh, have a career. And mm-hmm. um, and the internet, the internet has helped so many of us. Yeah. Well, I want to know about the genesis of the Maria Bamford show. Did you? Because at the time, two thousand six, two thousand seven. There weren't really web series. They, they certainly weren't what they are now, where comedians are making them trying to make TV shows. Did, was that a deal that you made before knowing it was going to be with Super Deluxe, or was that something where Super Deluxe came to you? Well, I, was, I do like that idea of do everything you can with exactly what you have. Mm-hmm. Like, so I had made a sitcom a stage sitcom okay. with just myself, a one person sitcom. So, and that was the premise for the Ray Bamford show that I've gone mad mm-hmm. and I have to go home, move home with my parents. And so I did that a billion, jillion times that Where theater show. Well, oh, just anywhere, put it up anywhere. People, do you want to see it now? Mm-hmm. No, I, <laughs> I don't know anymore, but, um, yeah, I just put it up anywhere. And, okay. and then, um, so then somebody, the idea to chop it up into Oh, that was series. super. It is super deluxe. Said, "Oh, we'll take, we'll yeah, put that into ten episodes." Mm-hmm. And and then Damon Jones, who was a guy from the Groundlings, who now directs and produces TV, he chopped and edited it and shot it, and we made um, at the time, which seemed like a ton of money, five thousand dollars a piece, so ten thousand dollars an episode, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a delight. Uh, was it, was the reaction immediate, or did it did it grow over time with the episodes? I don't know. I don't know if any. You know, I don't. I mean, I'll hear people say that they've seen it and that it was uh, it's good, or but I don't. I don't think at the time. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody was paying attention. I mean, any more than anything, I don't remember. Um, I remember some people writing, "Are you okay?" <laughs> I did read something on the internet uh, earlier today, preparing for this, where where the person writing on the internet took the premise very literally, as if this oh is yeah, a, no people take this it literally. Actually, what happened? This is happening. This happened. You really or it were is. selling appliances in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like. Or clocks or which something. Could have could have happened mm-hmm. certainly, and I did. It, you, you were temping. You could have taken yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have. Apple One could have sent you on any sort of game. any sort. Of, yeah, you can be go. You can go anywhere. You can make salads in a warehouse. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I never monetized the or whatever you do that when you watch mm-hmm. how many people have seen it so I don't okay. know but because uh, I figure I, I feel I feel grateful that anybody's seen it and that it was I, I was really proud of it so I just wanted to get out there well it recently resurfaced as, oh. as did Super Deluxe itself oh awesome great yeah. oh they, that's they hilarious and then they're like oh we have this that disappeared have... for a while awesome well, I didn't know that well that's great oh well that's news to me yeah well I feel like you've been I guess maybe not intentionally, but been a pioneer in all of these things, whether it's performing in rock venues instead of comedy clubs, making a web series, and then performing specials in places where people wouldn't expect you to perform specials. 
Starting with the special, 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 that was just so it's very powerful powerful and meaningful yeah. to me i mean i i don't know how it was for other comedians but just like i i just really spoke to a lot of fears and all that mm-hmm. stuff that i've had you know like just the whole thing about like i should quit and making fun of oneself like self-deprecation if, self-deprecation yeah. like is that really a good thing Especially if you are already maligned in a public way on right. the, on the regs. Because I feel like Gary Shandling, the late Gary Shandling, was a master of self-deprecation. But he also, even as a straight white male, kind of kind of took a like a. a He's, he was an aggro guy, guy. Like he was very, I thought, yeah. very much in control and a type A personality. So his at least self-deprecation wasn't victimizing himself at the least. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of, uh, I mean, at least from what I could tell, not, not that he was, uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't know him very well. I just mm-hmm. met him a few times, but he seemed very much uh, to be a powerful person. Mm-hmm. But with what, with people like talking about these breakthroughs of comedy, like whether it's the net or Drew Michael did a special this year for HBO with no audience. Oh, hilarious. I haven't seen that. Uh, it just came out on HBO. But I feel like that's I feel like that's easier to do do your your hour for no audience than it would be to do it still do it for your parents in in the living room. Well, you don't like have still- my parents. My parents if you pay them 600 bucks a piece and you say you'll have Japanese beer mm-hmm. and pizza. They are some of the best audience members. If my dad gets to turn off his hearing aid, then <laughs> So were those negotiations easier than the ones for Old Baby? Uh, In terms of, like, finding the different audiences for that? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it was all super easy. It was mm-hmm. super, uh, yeah, no, super easy. I was very grateful. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I have it super easy, and it is bizarre how easy I have had it. Um it's not bizarre. It probably is a systematic, uh, a systematic system of privilege uh, that I continue to benefit from, and uh, isn't really that funny. Uh, but um, but in, t- in terms of performing for any sort of audience anywhere, I saw you advertising this on Twitter a few years ago. Where did this Where did this idea come from that you could pre- you could rehearse or even tape your performance? Anywhere. Well, I like I, I I'm not really so much into big shows anywhere. Like I don't mm-hmm. like surprising people in a public place with a show. Mm-hmm. Like I, that doesn't appeal to me. Uh, just because I'm an introverted person, it's not. It's I'm sure it could be a super fun idea, mm-hmm. but um, but I'm always asking friends to listen to me rehearse because my my show is theatrical. I'm not like a, I have to and I have to do it over and over again and and to remember it and um, so. Uh, my friends got sick of hearing some of my jokes and then I started having to pay people to listen to my jokes or you know I felt like if I'm going to ask friends to listen to it Mm -hmm. Los Angeles is super expensive you got to pay people and you got to pay your friends the best I would argue Uh, you don't say oh do me a favor Uh, uh, they've done me enough favors Mm -hmm. by being my friend so 
I thought it would be a good way to kind of get out and about in Los Angeles mm-hmm. or when I was traveling to to meet people would also be inexpensive. Um, I could buy them a coffee and or a sandwich and then um, I could practice my bits. Yeah. So it's really lovely. Today I met with um, a young gal. Uh, she is um, she does crossword puzzles in her spare time, but she works uh, for the Sundance film company i just met her off twitter today we went met for do you always meet the people from twitter or do you yeah have just twitter just twitter Not yeah no no oh god yeah no twitter i like facebook twitter's yeah. worked out so great mm-hmm. yeah so worked out great and it was so fun it's so fun to hear about somebody else she is a really she was a very interesting uh young person and mm-hmm. 29 years old just graduated. Do you sit down like this when you perform for them, or yes, yeah, yeah. We just sit. So it's not the full theatrical experience then. Oh no, you're not no. Doing the act out. So. Oh no, 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 no. Just, just rehearsing it. You know what? I might have to go. How I'm do you so know? T- yeah, but how do you know? In 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 those sort of one-on-one settings, how it's playing. Well, I like it. Uh huh. So who cares? <laughs> I like it. That's how I've always felt. Or you have to, I mean, I just think, who am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. I'm my ultimate audience member. I've got to listen to it over and over again. Yeah. Do you feel like... Uh, You know, I've got to go. I'm so tired. No, I just want to ask you. No, I know, I know, I know. I love you so much. I got to go. Okay. Okay, I love you. Bye. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.